Welcome to the SBS podcast sponsored by Zwift. It was famously used by Matt Heyman to prepare for his victory at Paris-Roubaix. You can use it too for your own goals. Visit Zwift.com to learn how to join the digital peloton today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash tdf, or log a ride with our friend at Zwift. Joining me in the program today, it's Dave McKenzie. Dave, how are you? One word, three letters, wow. Just wow. You know why I'm saying that, don't you? I do. That could be the could be the title of this podcast we'll see wow because who would have thought that the man in yellow julian alaphilippe would actually win this time trial by almost a landslide for his performance 14 seconds phenomenal no sorry the words well <laughs> yeah how do you spell watch it's, it's more, there's more than three letters in wow three letters in that one no it was it was it, it's one of the best rides you know, we said it. We we've said it about a few rides in this year's Tour de France, which says this race has just been one of the best additions. You know, for quite a few years. And Juliana Alaphilippe today did something that I don't think anyone would have picked him. I don't. I don't think anyone on his team would have picked him to win the stage. I don't think any of his rivals would have picked him to win the stage. None of the so-called experts. I apparently am meant to be one of those. I didn't pick him to win in our tipping comp. Did anyone pick him in the tipping comp? No, no one. You, so you should have. Come on. What were you, who'd you pick, by the way? I know, I know. Uh, Martin. Yeah. But not the good Martin, the one that is way back. <laughs> well, actually, both of them lost time. One of them uh, sat up and the other one lost time. But Yeah, but I got the one that sat up. <laughs> oh, oh gee, I see you had a real shocker. But no, it was incredible. It was, and look, it, it, he, he rewrote or he restarted some history too for French cycling because the last time a Frenchman won while in yellow was in 1989 and who would forget that Tour de France Laurent Fignon in yellow won a stage won a couple of stages but it was Greg Lamond who went on to win by just eight seconds and even longer for a Frenchman to win in yellow uh, win a time trial and it was Laurent Fignon again back in 84 so you know, it's been a long time between drinks and if French fans were searching for a new hero, well, they'd already found one. But the big question now is, have they found the next French winner of the Tour de France? That's the question. We're going to have to uh, to wait a little bit more to, to see the answer. But yes, I think France has found a new hero. You know, we thought Bardet, we thought Pinot, but how exciting is Philippe. I'm not even talking about the chance to win the GC or not. Just exciting cycling. Do you love him? I just love him. <laughs> well, why wouldn't you? I mean, we love him too. If he wins, I'll give him your house that you're going to give me because I, 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 got, I won that bet. Yeah, look, it was. I told you it was a beach crappy sh- No, I didn't say beach shack. It's just a shack, all right? <laughs> Gee, I'm, I'm selling my assets. What, 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 and I don't have many, by the way. I'm, I'm, it's like the stock market. Sell, sell, sell. But uh, let's just sort of go back for our listeners. And if you have missed a few of the pods or what we've been talking about, and you've been saying to me every day, and you've sort of been giving me one in the ribs saying, Philippe, he's look at him, look at him. He's holding yellow still. But I was questioning, can he do it? And now I could actually ask you the same question. Can he do it? It is a valid question. It's a, it's a really valid question. And 
Look, the, the beauty of it is none of us know. We, we, we're going to speculate, aren't we? And I, I still think that the, the high mountains will get the better of him um, because we haven't had any high mountains yet. We had La Planche de Belfi. I think it was 1,400 metres. You know, we've got the Col de Tourmalet coming up and then and we've got another day in the Pyrenees, Mountain Day, and then, of course, the Alps, 2,700, so almost 1,200 metres higher. And it's, you know, from here on in, it's mountains, mountains and mountains. But I keep saying it and he keeps surprising us all. But there's a rest there in between. And then, like you mentioned off mic, Paris is in sight. Paris is in sight. Yeah, look, it's the rest day comes and then it's six days. And... Forget about the Champs, that's five days. It's five days. They are monster days, and every, every pot, I think, and look, even on the, the broadcast, I keep saying, just wait for the Alps, people, because that is where we're going to see some serious, serious racing. And I think, look, regardless of if, if Philippe holds yellow or not, we're going to see the race. We're going to see some riders lose 10 minutes. And I'm talking about general classification riders. We are going to see some lose 10 minutes. We're going to see some gain 10 minutes. We're going to some, see some fall away. We're going to see some maybe win the race. And where Julian Alaphilippe fits in that, we don't know yet, do we? And that's, and that's what I love about it. Absolutely. Let's listen to Julian Alaphilippe after the win. I can't believe I would say it's the win in this time trial here in Pau. Julian, what an impressive performance today. Nothing less than happy. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm the first uh, surprise. Uh, I know that uh, I can do a strong performance on, on this type of parkour and also with my shape. Also with the yellow jersey, you know, it's something uh, really special. Uh, that you push you more, but uh, no, I'm really surprised and really, really happy to win a, a beautiful time trial like this in yellow. Looking ahead, the mountains is only going up now. Uh, what's the target? To be as long as possible in the front, you know, uh, even if it's top tomorrow, I, I will be not disappointed. Now it's only bonus for me. Today it's a big bonus. And tomorrow I hope, uh, with my legs, uh, I hope to, sur to continue to surprise myself. Do you know how far you want to take this uh, jersey and can you dare to dream? I don't want to know. I just want to surprise myself and to continue to, to go as long as possible with the... Uh, With the yellow and so that was Julian Alaphilippe. He does not want to think about how long he could keep this jersey. Do you think today he's riding on a high and there's a lot in his performance that, okay, it's in the legs, it's in the heart, but there's a lot in the head as well. He's free as a bird. Yeah, you've just hit it on the head. He's as free as a bird. And look, their general classification hope at the start of the race is Spaniard Enrique Mass. And look, he, he is quality and he's in actually, incidentally, he's in fourth overall now as well. So the coining quick step as a team, not just Julian Alaphilippe, but as a team, they've got a little sniff here. And look, you can't tell me, you don't need to be an expert, right, to think about this, the psychology of the sport and the psychology of the Tour de France. You got a guy, a Frenchman for that matter, in yellow with a rest day to come and then six days to go. You cannot tell me, no matter what he says to the press, he's got in the back of his mind, can I? Is it possible? Maybe? Really? Sure, he's got to be questioning it now. Maybe, just maybe he can do this. Can you imagine the atmosphere in that team? They got to have to keep it cool though. Yeah, I mean, well, look, the lid's been blown off. Keep the lid on it. Forget that. The lid is blown off. Everyone knows now that they are on a massive high. And let's face it, they have to attack him now. They have to attack Julian Alaphilippe. They can't ride with him. They can't, well, 
they can hope that he gets dropped. They can hope that uh, uh, Ineos or, or someone other team set a super high tempo and it's enough to drop uh, Ala Philippe and they don't have to worry about him. But otherwise, if he hangs and hangs and hangs, and you think on the Tourmalade tomorrow, what, 100,000 people? How many of them are going to be French? And who do you think they'll be cheering for? Like, that's home ground advantage. And every day he wears a yellow, he's got home ground advantage. You know, we know it anyway. It's in France, of course. But when you're in yellow, they're just going to cheer a bit louder, aren't they? There's a, there's a while since France actually cheered for a yellow jersey. Because usually they actually boot for the yellow jersey. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And uh, look, I mean, there's, there's a, it gives a little bit of memories, I guess, of... Uh, Thomas Vauclar, you know, when he, he wore the yellow, uh, he wore it a couple of times in his career, two or three times, but when he wore it and hung on to it deep into the, the tour, I think when Cadell Evans won as well, and I think he just missed the podium on that occasion. So can Julian, will it be something like that, where eventually he will lose it, but he'll, he'll ride a high place? I think he can. I think he can ride a high place. But, or can he, can he actually hang on? Will he, will he do something extraordinary tomorrow? stay with them and then attack them. I don't know. Well, you know, if they ride... The thing is, if they ride tempo on the Tourmalet, someone like Ineos, and then you get down to the last K to go, two Ks to go, and Julian Alaphilippe is with Garen Thomas. Julian Alaphilippe, he doesn't have to attack. He just needs to follow Garen Thomas. And we know Garen Thomas has got that explosive power. That's how he won the race effectively last year. But he's got the, he's got the upper hand now. What's he up? He's up by a minute 20. What's happening in the supercomputers back at head headquarters of Ineos? <laughs> the supercomputers? I don't know. They're, they're updating the software because they're going, hang on, we didn't, we didn't think about this. No, look, I think they're calm. I think in their own minds, they'd be paying attention to this. How could you not? And a little bit surprised. But in their minds, they'll be thinking, no, Julian cannot. He, he will falter in the high mountains. That's what they'll be thinking, that he's going to falter in the high mountains. If he doesn't tomorrow, I think then they'll start to pay a bit more attention. So tomorrow is a test for Ineos to see how Alaphilippe reacts as soon as the, the road goes, gets a bit steeper. It is, it is. And you know what else it is? It's intriguing. I'm intrigued to see how good Ineos will be tomorrow. And I guess importantly... Garrett Thomas, he's, look, he's opened up more of a margin between himself and Egan Bernal and their teammates, by the way. But, you know, I, I, you'd imagine now that Thomas is the outright leader. Bernal is a, a real plan B. But, you know, how many men are they going to have high on the Tourmalet tomorrow? Because they didn't have a lot of men left on La Planche de Belfi. And that, that wasn't a mountaintop finish. That was a summit finish. Tomorrow we've got a mountaintop finish and it, it's different. Yeah, we'll describe the, the stage for tomorrow uh, in a minute. But a uh, quick question. If we look at the balance of power, inverted comma, in a structure of the peloton, you know, when you were at school, you played with your mates and then you had mates you didn't like. How is it in the peloton today? Ineos has got how many mates? And Dukenik, are they quickly gaining a lot of mates around? Well, it's one of those things. Everyone wants to see, I think a lot of us... And a lot of people, their instinct is you want to see the underdog win or you want to see that the top ones knock, knock, knocked off their perch. But Alaphilippe's now won two stages. He's worn the yellow for a while, so is he now going to be a sitting duck? Yeah, but I just for this one in, uh, in the wind. Soda Luto, they've got the polka jersey. They're a Belgian team. The Kenick, they've got the yellow and the white. They're a Belgian team. Do you think they can have a quick chat? You are switched onto it. And you know what? Look, let's not hide behind this. 
there are talks, business talks that happen behind the scenes. Uh, legally, uh, it's illegal to have collusion with other teams, but you, you get a couple of teams that have a, a dual focus, a similar focus or, or a focus that they both can benefit from, like you say, the polka dot jersey, and then, of course, the yellow jersey for decoining. If, it can, if they can sort of have this, uh, you know, different goals, but they can both execute the same plan to achieve those goals and assist each other, why wouldn't you? It wouldn't surprise me at all if they're having a discussion. You know, I, who knows? I've got your main ticking here. Oh, you've totally got it ticking. <laughs> you've, you've one step ahead of me, pal, and I'm not happy about it. You've, st- you've stolen my cultural attaché role, and now you're, now you're looking at being expert analysts. I'm thinking, hang on, I'm not sure what else I can do here. You haven't, you haven't noticed, but I'm actually writing the scenario of this Tour de France. <laughs> well, so far you are. And that's what's... Uh, I'm a little bit upset, but at the same time, I'm wrapped because it's giving us more than probably what we hoped for at this stage of the race, isn't it? Like, when you look back, you know, from day one in Belgium, in Brussels, right up till now, and you said to me before this afternoon, you said, we've had a different stage winner every day. And we... We, at that stage, we really thought Garen Thomas probably was going to win the stage. So now, uh, Alaphilippe put the kibosh on that because now he's won two stages. But how good has it been? Apart from that, we've had a different stage winner every day. So, no, it's been fantastic. And also, uh, we are more than halfway through this Tour de France and we still don't know what's going to happen. Before, in the years before gone by, you know, a certain team will capture yellow and then we'll do everything to keep it or we'll just give it away, but with the total intention to, uh, to get it back and uh, with the total energy and the total plan to do it. But this year, we said it already, but this year, it's like we are rewriting the, the, the book of the Tour de France. We are, we are. And it's what we want, isn't it? It's, that's, this is how we want the Tour de France to be raced over the three-week journey. And as much as full credit, to a team like Sky and, and formerly Sky and now Ineos uh, with their domination and they deserve every bit of kudos for that. But after a while, you want to see a, a more dynamic race and, and you, want to, you just want to see a really close result. I think in any sport, you know, in any sporting event, you know, if, if there's a, an 800 metre, you don't want to see the, the one guy or girl win by half a lap. You want to see them win by an inch. You know, you want to tie it and I think that's, that's what we want. And at the moment, we're getting it. And if anything, we'll see Enos push to the ropes and see if they can do it if they're pushed to the ropes. Well, I think they're going to be. And, and it, it goes back to what you're saying. Will other teams gang up, gang up on them? I'm not sure if they'll gang up on them, but they'll, they'll look to Enos now to do a lot of the chasing and set a lot of the tempo. So I think, look, tomorrow the Tourmalet is going to give us a real idea of the tactics of the teams of the mountain stages, obviously, and, and Ineos. Are Ineos going to ride tempo at the base of the Tourmalade, or are they going to try and force De Koenig Quickstep to do that? You know, who else does De Koenig Quickstep have for the high mountains? I'm a, I'm, this is a question. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> They've got Enrique Maas, but, you know, we haven't even focused on that, have we? We haven't. So who have they got? So... You know, they've got a couple of fast guys. They've got Ilya Viviani. Forget him. He's got a couple of lead-out men. Michael Morkov. These guys, they're not going into the high mountains. So will it be the unravelling of De Koining tomorrow? Or will Alaphilippe say, no sweat, boys. I've got this covered. No, me and Enrique will just vamos up the climb. I don't know. It's going to be so exciting. Let's talk about this stage, actually, coming up. So it's going to be 
tomorrow for us, but tonight, uh, if you're listening to this podcast in the morning, and we're leaving Tarbes, and we are going to the Tour Malais. Tour Malais, for me, little Christophe, has always been a dream. I've never been up the Tour Malais, and you know what? I'm going up tomorrow. You're a fake, mate. You're a fake. You've never been up the Tourmalet. Frenchman, never been up the Tourmalet. I'm an Alpman, not a Pyrenees man. Oh, well, and suddenly now it's like, it's like uh, in Australia, Ford and Holden. And now, now you, so you've always been, uh, you've always, what are the Alps, Ford? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say they're Ford. Now you're jumping ship to, to, to a Holden. Um, no, the, the Pyrenees and, and the Col de Tourmalet is a beautiful climb and it's, and it's beautiful with the monument at the top. Um, and it's one of those classic mountains where the road just sort of goes up and straight over. You know, there's no plateau. It's straight down the other side. So they don't do that, though, tomorrow. It's a summit finish. It's not always a summit finish. So it's going to be, I think, extra special. Um, look, and the other thing is, it's only 117 kilometres. So I just think this has got excitement written all over it. They go up the Col de Solaire first, uh, which is 11 kilometres at 7.8%. I've ridden this uh, climb as well. It's a tough little climb. Don't expect, I don't think, any GC riders to attack there. I don't think so. Someone like Roman Bardet might, but he's out of it. He's out of it for general, so he might go for a stage win. He looked cooked today. Do you know, the fastest I've seen him go, this is going to be a joke, but the fastest I've seen him go is through the media pack. He just didn't stop. He's almost he's accelerated through the media scrum. Mate, that's cruel. That's one of your own. I like him, but today he was really not in a good day. And so far, we've said it. we said it on this very own podcast. He hasn't been good this year for this Tour de France. And look, you've said to me, I'm not sure if you said, I can't remember if we've talked about this on previous pods, he needs to leave AG2R. He's, he, it's been good. He's had a great run, but he needs now to shake things up. And you know what? Some, some years it just doesn't click. It hasn't clicked for him this year. I still think he can come back and really challenge for the win. Uh, one day and for podium he's been podium twice but this year hasn't worked he needs a foreign team if you ask me yeah and he speaks I mean he's, he actually speaks quite good English so I agree with you I think I think a foreign team now should should look at someone like Roman Bardet and, and really change things up and I it, for some reason with AG2 Ala Mundial the back end of the team the, 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 the you know the technical aspects of the team I don't think they've got the resources that other teams have or all the money that they put into it. So I think that's what he needs because to improve your time trialling, that's obviously a super Achilles heel for him. And he can, I believe he can. If you can climb high in the mountains and ride general classification at the Tour de France, at some point you have to be able to time trial and you should be able to. So I think he can, but he needs a team now to take him that next step. And twice on the podium at the Tour de France. So that means it can be up there. Okay, what do you expect? It's, a, it's an hypothetical question now because everything has been reopened. But what can we expect on this stage tomorrow? Well, to Kynical ride tempo early on. I think they'll, they'll, uh, they'll set tempo. I think an early break will go before the Col du Soleil. Look, that comes, the bottom of it comes at about 50 kilometres or thereabouts. Then I'm not sure if the break will survive. And then at some stage, and it wouldn't surprise me if Ineos try and uh, hit the top base of the Tourmalet uh, on the front, or at least near there. But it's a 19-kilometre climb at 7.4%. Uh, I don't think I've ridden this side of it. I've ridden the other side. That's Well, people talk about the main side. I mean, both sides are sort of, you know, ridden both times. But... This side is steeper, uh, the gradient, and it's not quite as long, but it's steeper, so it's harder. So it's still a very, very long climb. And look, 
The other factor too is the weather, the temperature. The talk is that it's going to get really hot the next few days. It won't be hot at the top of the Tourmalet, but right down the bottom in the valley, they'll be scorching. And it's fairly open towards the top, so the sun will be beating right down on them. So who's going to handle the heat? Uh, who doesn't like the heat? Uh, remains to be seen. Exactly. And you know what it is? It's absolutely must-watch TV. Absolutely it is. It's Oh, this is it. From here on in, it's. I love the mountains. I think we all do. And the, the atmosphere changes, doesn't it, on the mountains. And we call it, well, I call it mountain fever. And I think we're getting it already. And, you know, what we've had so far is the hors d'oeuvre. Now we're getting, I don't know, entree, main course. Oh, you're good, you're good. Uh, yeah, Tourmalet will be certainly spectacular to watch. Also today, la course. La course was incredibly exciting, don't you think? Yes, it was. Look, before when it was announced that uh, they'd be racing here in Po, we were. I think there was a quite a few of the women were disappointed that they weren't having a you know a, more of a more stages or, or more more days of racing. Even us in the podcast, I don't know if you remember when this was announced, we just went, "Is ASO even trying with women cycling? Are they even trying?" But boy, that was an exciting race. Yes, it was, and it was. Yeah, and I guess it was good that they created a circuit within a city. You know, Po is a, it's a small city, but it's big enough that I think there was enough atmosphere and, you know, it was around the TT course. And the fact is, the TT course was tough, as we saw. So it was a great race and we were all cheering uh, for Amanda Spratt because she she broke away in the last 20 kilometres and it was only, what, with about 400 to go on that steep little climb where she got overtaken by Mariana Voss. She's a tryer, Amanda Spratt. I mean, you can't take this away from her. She will try and try and try. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, but what she does is try. Oh, she's a competitor. She, she is... Uh, Look, she's been around a long time and her road to the top of world cycling, you know, like like anyone, it's it certainly hasn't been smooth sailing. But look, she finished third in the Giro Rosa again uh, just, a, what, a week or so ago, as she did last year. She's had a, she's having a really good season, remembering that she was second in the World Championships in the road race in Innsbruck last year, 12 months ago. And it looked like she was going to win a course, and she certainly wouldn't have been the first Australian to do that because we've seen Chloe Hosky do it on the Champs Elysees. So, but it was a brilliant performance. But you cannot deny Mariana Voss how good is she, and it is really good to see Mariana Voss back to her best because she'd already sort of hinted that she was back to her best or more than that. But Voss, she was brilliant, and no one could follow her in the end. Absolutely. And then uh, let's listen to Amanda Spratt. What a performance uh, today. Sadly, it didn't go probably as planned to the end, but you're still smiling. Yeah, um, I just I just love it. I love racing. Um, I'm at the Tour de France. I think it was a great circuit today, and I love putting on a show and being aggressive out there, and I think the team had a really good plan and executed it really well. Just didn't get the win at the end, but I think we're really happy with the way we raced. The team is doing really well for the men's and the women yeah the team's going incredibly well we've already seen two stage wins for the men here at the Tour de France and I think when we see that we get motivated as well we went and saw um, the men's team at their hotel last night so that gives you a bit of extra energy I think so I started this race really excited and ready to put on a good show and of course uh, people will be able to ride with you not against you with you at Letap soon yeah, um, I can't wait for the Top Australia. I've been there since since it started, actually. It's an event that I love, I'm passionate about. I just love meeting people on the bike and having a good day. It's, it's no pressure. It's, you know, just about enjoying enjoying being there in the snowy mountains in the beautiful part of Australia. So come on down. And I guess that's what cycling, that's why cycling is so different to any other sports. It is. I think it's an incredible sport for that fact. I think um, 
I guess professionals were accessible to, to, to people and I really love being back in Australia. I'm part of an Australian team so I love meeting people that might support me throughout the year or maybe even meeting new people that, that didn't know anything about me and sort of educating them and, and getting them passionate and excited about cycling too. Do you think women's cycling is in the right place? Um, I think it's, it's growing. It's definitely growing. I think you see every year there's more coverage, there's definitely more demand. For, for the racing I think when people see it they know how exciting it is I mean I think that was an ex incredibly exciting finish then so um, we're getting there there's more and more races becoming more professional um, the teams are getting bigger so we're up with momentum I'd say and of course you see some uh, Aussie fans here cheering for you that must be a uh really pleasing uh, it's so cool and I think um, it's funny you can be anywhere on the course and you hear an Aussie accent and it's like oh oh, cool I must know you so it really feels like you know you know everyone out there with an Aussie accent so yeah I love all the support here well done time for refreshment we uh, well earned it thank you definitely thank you <laughs> so that was Amanda Spratt one thing we mentioned with Amanda is there's always a smile around in that team in women's cycling in general it's kind of a happy sport Oh, look, it's, I think too, and, uh, you know, they might disagree and go, oh, no, gee, you know, we had to be interviewed by you guys, but I think they get a little bit of extra attention here. Maybe that was that look she gave me, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure she was happy to see you. No, look, they, Amanda, like some of the older women in, in uh, world cycling, they know, I guess they've got a, a duty to sort of, you know, help promote women's cycling and lift it up and I think everyone's trying to do their little bit now and when when you've got La Course obviously which is at the Tour de France um, all of the world media are here and we, we try and give it as much attention as we can and you know they know that they're receptive to it and uh, it's really good but it is they're, they're in some cases can I say it quietly they're a lot easier to deal with than the men <laughs> there's a lot less ego oh there is a there totally is and Spratty's one of the best and you know not just Amanda and not just the Aussies the Aussie women uh, a lot of the other women are just a, a real uh, joy to, to interview do you know who is cool to interview is Tiffany Cromwell let's listen to her Tiffany was a tough course how, how was it on the road Yeah, it's definitely a very tough course out there. Um, it was a kind of strange race to start with, but, you know, it was like a typical early break, and then once action happened, then it really absolutely exploded on that lap four. But, yeah, it was a hard one out there. I didn't have the best legs today, but, you know, I haven't seen the final results, but I hope Casio had a good one for us. What does La Course mean in the, in the whole calendar for women's cycling? I think La Course definitely holds, you know, quite a high place in the calendar. It's one, you know, obviously it's like got global presence, it's a great one-day race, it's a hard race. Um, a lot of teams come here because of the importance of that and the relationship to the Tour de France. But, um, yeah, I think it's a great race, but we also have a number of other amazing races on the calendar. But it's one that all teams come to and want to put their best foot forward. You're very strong on social media. Can, can we expect some, uh, some fun stuff today? Oh, always, you know. We got a road trip back to Girona with one of my teammates, so no doubt we'll have some fun. Um, we'll have a little break now, so, yeah. Bring it on. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, Stephanie Cromwell, is, she's actually she's a Aussie rider, but she's actually not in a Aussie team. She's in a Canyon SRAM team. Uh, yeah, those women are doing really well, and then it's so joyful to see. It, it is, it is. And uh, look, they for Mitchell and Scott, they didn't, they didn't bring on the bacon with Amanda or Annemiek van Vleuten. In fact, van Vleuten uh, sort of set it up for Spready. But they're, they're in a real happy place as a team. And, you know, I'm sure they're inspiring the men's team here at the Tour de France to, you know, lift their game. They've lifted their game. They've won two stages. But to carry on and chase that yellow jersey. Absolutely. Maka, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, next step, Tourmalet, like you just said. Was it? 
was a really a pleasure to talk to me. It's always a pleasure talking oh, to you. It's always a pleasure. Well, I enjoyed it too then. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This was the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash tdf or log a ride with our friend at Zwift until the next podcast, which will be tomorrow morning. It's bye for now. A quick shout out from our sponsor before we go. If you're looking for a new way to ride without traffic or punches getting in your way, hop on Zwift. We use it. Your cycling buddies probably use it. And the pros, they definitely use it. Zwift turned indoor training into a full-on gaming experience. Connect your PC, Mac or Apple device and you'll pedal with thousands of cyclists around the world. And there's a good chance you'll see a pro on there too. Loads of them are on Zwift on their rest days riding around Wattopia. Give them a ride on if you see them. If you've got a trainer, start your free trial on Zwift.com.